Paris. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. I will turn it up in your headphones, Dylan. Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy, mind you. We are talking about friend of the show, Mark Lawrence. Is that what we're doing now? I, is it fair to call him? Uh, I mean, I'd love to be his friend if he'd love if he'd like to be mine. I I just don't want to speak for him. He said it was a great listen. Yeah. So maybe friendly maybe towards like, the show. That's fair. Maybe I'm like Nona, and I feel like unless you say the word friend to me explicitly, <laughs> I'm I'm just not sure where we stand. <laughs> That's true. I guess you you have to consider the possibility that you can just be friends without acknowledging it, Dylan. Yeah, like how many likes on my tweets does it take before I can start saying Mark Lawrence and I are friends? <laughs> how many of his tweets do I have to like? These are the questions we're grappling with as we head into our Bound Buddy read. <laughs> That's right. We are reading Book of the Ancestor 2.0. Five. It is called Bound. It is a very short story. It is, um, you know, read it in an afternoon, and we're here to talk about it today. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you thought of it, Charles. This was my second time reading it, but it was your first time. That's right. So we've already dropped the buddy reads for book of the ancestor one and two and i have yet to crack the cover on three so i don't know where this series is going or how it ends uh dylan you have read the series before uh so you'll have a couple different perspectives here Mm -hmm. oh and heads up there will be spoilers for bound (laughs) in our bound buddy read that's right we will be spoiling bound although there's not (laughs) <laughs> too much to spoil. You can kind of see how it plays out from from about halfway through, but that doesn't make it any less entertaining. So shall we just get right into Bound? Let's get right into Bound, Charles. Let's do it. So, you know, the first thing I was like, okay, I wonder why he took the time before like getting into this reading it, right? I was like, I wonder why he took the time to write like such a short story about you know the same characters in the same timeline like why not just include it in book of the ancestor three and as i started you know getting through bound i was like oh well this is actually kind of a fun little reprieve if you will you kind of get more of nona and her friends uh you get more of their teenage girl sides of themselves there um, stealing alcohol, having parties, talking about boys—you know—all these kinds of these kinds of things. It has a, a little bit lighter heart of a tone, which the lightest tone I've ever read from a work by Mark Lawrence. I'll say that by long. That is fair, Charles. It's definitely the lightest tone I've read from Mark Lawrence as well. And 
I think you hit the nail on the head there with why this fits better as a short story that's 2.5 rather than (laughs) being the start of book three, where it takes place in terms of time in between Grey Sister and Holy Sister. But if this was the first part you were reading of (laughs) the final installment of the Book of the Ancestor trilogy in terms of the full <laughs> novels, I think you'd be a little confused. Like, is is this what this book is going to be about? But it is a total pleasure reading it in the short story format because we've talked about this, Charles, where we get the hints into this side of Sweet Mercy Convent life when we've been reading the previous installments of this series. But we don't really get the time to just hang out with our characters as they do this more slice of life stuff. Right. And while there is certainly a plot going on around this, we do get the time to just see them being teenagers. And it's pretty fun. Exactly. I mean, when we're reading books one and two, you know, they're this setting of Book of the Ancestors, a very, you know, hardened, unforgiving one. And Nona and the gang have had to go through some very intense stuff. They're fighting, murders, all kinds of plot and intrigue. And it's easy to forget that they're just like middle school children. You know, it's easy to forget that part of their character. And as much as we raved about characterization in books one and two, Mark Lawrence takes a moment with Bounds to put us aside from all of that intense drama and give us another peek at that characterization from the angle of like, here's when they're not like full on fighting the taxis and like trying to save the ship heart. There's all of these other moments where they're just being friends and being together and and you get to see this like what's Nona doing kind of on her on her not necessarily downtime, but when she's not like trying to survive. Like what is she doing day to day at school? And that was uh, a fun a fun little glimpse into all of their characters that we got to have. For sure, Charles. It feels like it does, it punches above its weight in terms of rounding out the idea of what it's like to be living at Sweet Mercy Convent. You can start to, when you see how Nona is living her life and Nona and the gang, as you say, mm-hmm. are living their lives prior to getting into like the real plot of the short story. You start to then fill in the gaps where this wasn't happening as much since the trilogy's main installments focus more on the like meat of what's going on. Right. Uh, you get to be like, oh, so this is pretty much what's happening in between all of that meat. And <laughs> I think, yeah, your mind just fills in that in a way that provides depth to this story and to the characters and their relationships it's, it's pretty awesome yeah i thought it was rather charming and right off the bat like the, one of my first like things that i highlighted was right on page one was like mathematics filled her with a dread that a handful of flung throwing stars slicing towards her never could so one that's funny because Mark Lawrence has a PhD in mathematics. So to write a character who right off the bat hates math and isn't good at it is very funny. And then two, 
you're getting this element of like, oh yeah, she'd much rather be, you know, fighting right now. Like she's so much more familiar with that. But now we're taking this moment to like try and solve for X in class. So right off the bat, I was like, oh, this is like a a, a charming little piece right off the bat. So I I just thought it was a a fun moment to mention right at the top as we kind of go through the plot here. Yeah, there's that line. She'd never understood why the equations needed her to solve them. Wouldn't they be happier left in peace on the pages of dusty books? Which yeah. is funny thinking that someone who has a PhD in mathematics wrote that, kind of poking <laughs> fun at himself and his degree, but also giving us how different Nona's perspective is from his own. And I think that's a great point, Charles. This is a theme, I would say, of bound in some ways is that Nona is particularly uncomfortable in some of these places that bring about pretty standard teenage social anxiety issues yeah. uh, like going to your first party drinking alcohol for the first time stuff like that is going on and Nona is super anxious about the whole thing which makes sense given her age but it's also oh, in some ways fun to see that normal side of her when at the same time she's someone who has these incredible fighting abilities and has been put in these life-threatening situations constantly but it's almost like she's way more acquainted with those life-threatening situations than she is with these more standard teenage situations which is why she feels more fear around the standard teenage situations right dodging throwing stars no problem doing math equations dread kissing somebody for the first time horrible anxiety so it's like and confusion so it's like all these things going on and uh, yeah it's just a side to know that we get to see in this little uh a side of a story uh which you know definitely definitely makes sense like you said in the beginning to separate this as as the short story piece so that we can have this little pause without it detracting from the tone of the main trilogy (laughs) that's for sure charles and i don't want to misportray bound as something that's all just shenanigans at the convent there is this whole intrigue bit going on where ara is brought outside the convent to attend a party but and there's someone poisoning people amongst the cis which is the nobility in these books and they're trying to figure out who it is and try to stop them ideally but that's all i think taking a back seat to spending time with our characters dealing with these more standard teenage situations and developing these relationships further particularly nona ara and regal yes definitely nona ara and regal the book starts with nona and ara though nona's um first kiss you know ara is like trying to practice kissing for this social party thing and then it gets you know into this moment where they have this first kiss and some kind of magic stuff happens and that thread bonds them it's uh an interesting moment worked into this story that is like a huge deal in terms of nona and ara's relationship right like it's an to have this context going into book three is is pretty major. So the fact that there may be these kind of 
romantic feelings going on between Ara and Ara and Nona is kind of a a, a breakthrough here in Bound. Right. So we've gotten hints that there might be something there in previous books. For example, I think this is in Red Sister where Apple gives Nona the truth serum and asks her who she's had a crush on. Yeah, I do remember that. Nona can't help herself because she's under this truth serum, uh, says... Ara and Regal, and I think she says Kettle too. I, I can't remember, but she definitely says Ara, and I believe she says Regal. So you get those two characters taking center stage with Nona here, and it does begin with Ara maybe under the guise of I would just want to practice kissing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or maybe, who knows? Um, I, I know where everything's going, so I don't want to give anything away. Uh, but they definitely uh, have this moment where Ara takes Nona out under the uh, moon's uh, rays, basically. Yeah. It's like that the heat of the glass. moon like passes yeah. over them, right? <laughs> very, um, very passionate moment, I would say. Yeah, a very romantic feeling. And then Ara basically just kisses her. And that results in this thread bond that gives the book its name. And this is Nona's third uh, thread bonding experience at this point, right? With Hessa, Kettle, and now Ara. So it's in line with Nona's character. Like when you're her friend, she's all in. (laughs) She's thread bonding with all these people. And um, Ara's the next one. And, And this one is interesting because there's these elements of romance that are potentially involved more so than more so than um hessa or kettle right although if i'm remembering correctly nona might have a crush on kettle but uh that is not reciprocated kettle is very much taken yes so (laughs) it's uh yeah it's fun to see Mark Lawrence start to flesh out these things that he's dropped some hints about. So, Charles, how how are you feeling since you are you don't know where this all ends up? How are you feeling about the Ara Nona relationship right now? Right now, I'm feeling pretty good about it. You know, they clearly have a um, this their the romantic feelings seem to be coming from both sides, and they both seem to you know be looking out for each other in this series you know r is kind of looking out for nona and trying to keep the spark alive between nona and regal and she's like holding the thread bond tight at the end right not letting nona kind of escape the thread bond so it's interesting to see it play out it still seems kind of like new and confusing and complicated for them so we'll see where that goes but i feel like it's kind of like we're still where we left nona and ara but now there's the explicit romantic piece that we didn't have at the end of of gray sister so i i'm pretty unchanged but the the romance part definitely like adds an element of intrigue to it but i'm feeling pretty good were you already getting the sense before reading Bound that there might be some romantic feelings there or um, even Not really. Romantic? I mean, the thing with Nona, she's beyond romantic. Just She's very intense with all of her 
relationships. She's never really been romantic. I mean, we saw her get a little flustered around Regal, but I mean, with with Ara, she's always kind of been pretty confident. I think, um, you know, I guess I always kind of saw their relationship as like, oh, it's one of Nona's early friends, so she has that particular bond with with Ara. I wasn't anticipating this romantic piece. So when that that scene did play out where they're under like the heat of the moon and everything, I'm like, oh, this is a interesting direction. <laughs> like, okay, like let's uh, see where this goes. I'm learning something about Nona that I, I didn't know she had romantic feelings for Ara really as much as more it was like an infatuation with someone who's kind to her. Yeah. That's interesting, Charles. I, I think I was in a very similar place to you when I was on my first read-through. This read-through, I ended up just noticing how frequently Nona refers to... what. Well, so we're very tight to Nona's perspective throughout the vast majority of both books. And I take the prose to basically be Nona's perspective on things. I think that's pretty... F- fair i agree and it's very very frequent that aura is described as beautiful Mm -hmm. by nona just throughout and i think as it's one of the benefits of this third person limited rather than first person narratives that we get where we're in Noah's perspective but it's also kind of just the narrator so we're not sure is this just lawrence trying to tell us like this is what you're supposed to think about aura or is it we're supposed to gather that Nona keeps noticing how beautiful Ara is yeah, and true. the second read through I felt like it was a lot more the latter than the former it's oh. like even when she's talking about what Ara's quote unquote crimes were when she's saying like oh Ara's actually not all that bad a lot of the things I thought were so bad about her or just things Clara said it's like her crimes were reserved to in part being beautiful <laughs> so it's like that's a good point frequent. I guess that's a one of the main reasons why I guess I kind of was instinctually I never thought about it that way but instinctually when this moment happened where Nona and Ara kissed I wasn't like what now you're gonna make just the, these two characters kiss for no reason like it did have that moment of honesty about it in part by how kind of nervous they were and how true to the moment like two young teens kissing for the first time would be but also in that you buy into that there was always this kind of attraction and that's um interesting that you were kind of looking out for that and it is true she's always described as beautiful and we're always so tight to Nona's perspective and Nona's you know always kind of um felt that way about Aura. So, yeah, it's um I I'm with you on that. That's a good observation. Yeah, it definitely helps knowing where it's going. I, I don't think I picked up on this as much the first time around, but it's it's interesting too. I've always thought of Kettle Apple and Safira would be the other person as kind of this parallel for uh, Nona Ara and Clara in some ways. So Sophia is like the one who hmm. uh, had feelings for Kettle. And I think they did have an actual romantic relationship at one point uh, back when they were I think novices. they did, yeah. Yes. And then K- 
Kettle ends up with Apple. I think Safira sees it a little bit like Kettle got stolen away by Apple based on the limited time we've gotten with Safira. And then Safira's super jealous and ends up kind of betraying them. I think stabbing Kettle and then going to be with Sherzal. And Hmm. it's similar to some of this stuff that's played out between Clara, Nona, and Ara, especially now that Nona and Ara are starting to develop some of what looks like requited romantic feelings for each other. And Clara always seemed to have romantic feelings toward toward uh, Nona that were unrequited from everything we could gather. There is a unique parallel in their relationship triangles there. And, you know... I definitely see a lot of similarities between Nona and Kettle for sure and Safira and Clara. So yeah, that's uh that's another very good point, sir. You you're on top of it today. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to talk about was beyond just w- with these exploration of new relationships, there's also like we get to see more into Nona's vulnerabilities and you know about about page 30 of this 50 page thing you you start to see Nona being like oh she wants to be somebody else not the uncultured peasant girl with the holy black eyes and then this line she wanted to be wanted so she's you start to see this side of her that I feel like a lot of you know, younger kids feel of like when they see someone else that's they consider beautiful or popular or whatever. And then you're just so lost in your own insecurities that you're like, man, I just wish I could be someone else, a more confident person that could feel more confident in these social situations and, and to have these relationships with other people. And this idea that she wanted to be wanted. And it's a very touching moment that no one has always kind of had in her character but when she gets to kind of pause and be in these more casual social situations it really comes out that's a great point charles i think that's core to a lot of what's going on in this story is nona wanting to be wanted and also wanting to be normal and that that wine to be wanted bit it comes up when regal who we know Nona has some feelings for too, mm-hmm. uh, and Ara are are sorry, not uh, Regal and Ara are not dancing there. It's actually when uh, she's dancing with the <laughs> the antagonist of this thing that I can't remember the name of right now. But um, there's a line in there where it says she wanted to be the one pressed against that lean body that comes right before <laughs> she wanted to be wanted, and. It's unclear at that moment if she's referring to the person she's danced, Ara's dancing with, or if she's referring to Ara. And it's kind of, we get this back and forth constantly with Nona throughout this short story where it's, she's like jealous of both Regal and Ara because yeah. they end up like kissing each other uh, for well, reasons we'll get into. Yeah. And... That's an interesting <laughs> moment. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, Nona wants to be wanted by both of them (laughs) and it's I don't know not like really much else I've read to see someone basically in the 
perspective of someone she has some feelings for <laughs> yeah. and being jealous of both that person and the person that they are kissing it's like yeah interesting stuff that guy explored here <laughs> yeah there's definitely like and even nona struggles with these issues of like is this am i like prying on an intimate moment yeah. is this weird like and probably it is but um Ara seems cool with it, I suppose. And the name of the antagonist, by the way, is Jordo, J-O-R-D-O. You. You're welcome. So, yeah, before we get too far into what happens next in the plot, there is these moments of, um, like, oh, all of these royal kids are getting poisoned seemingly at random, but it cannot possibly be food or drink because of the... the tasters there's tasters and there's fine and they're fine and some of these parties don't even serve food or drink so then that's after that ara and um nona talk about kissing and then you're like okay like the threads are coming together here we have somehow we're spreading poison amongst teenagers without food or drink so it's like okay so i like it's interesting that he's like with only 50 pages he's starting to put these points in and and weave them together and that's where we get the master plan of like okay um obviously this guy's like killing girls by kissing them with poison And, and one dude i guess also got poisoned and um we will um you know counterattack by attaching a needle to your tongue and you poke the poison sack with the tongue with your needle tongue and <laughs> and <laughs> poison the poisoner and you're like whoa but it's like but you need to practice first <laughs> and it's like let's do a couple kissing practice things and you're like okay like this is uh, all happening right now so that's kind of the um that gets us back to these moments of of ara and jordo together and then these <laughs> these moments of invading privacy between um, Ara and uh, what's his name with that starts with the R Roar Regal Regal yeah I'm just like I think of Regal as the antagonist in Assassin's Apprentice but it's R E G A L not R E G O L but still very different characters but their name is pronounced the same <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think. Charles, it sounds like you saw some of this coming, right? There's only so many pages. There's only so many variables. And unlike Nona, you were able to solve for X over here. I mean, I wasn't. I was highly suspicious that there was because, you know, like in the movie Batman and Robin where Poison Ivy has the she can like kiss people and that kills them. And then Robin has the wax lips (laughs) and that's how he like thwarts her. It's like the same thing. She just waxed up her, her the inside of her mouth and and uh did this counter poison like bubble bursting of the poison in the mouth. <laughs> like, um but I thought it was fun. I thought it was cute and it's a fun way to kind of explore teenage romance and also have this like high stakes espionage slash action piece worked in. It's like okay, Aura, you have to kiss a boy you know it's like it's it's the stakes have never been higher for them you know (laughs) because even though they've like fought off royal family and like demon possessed ultra warriors this is also another one of those super intense dramatic moments for them so it's kind of cute to to see that play out and i think mark wants a good job of balancing like the 
teenage woes with the actual like devastation and political intrigue going on here. Right. It leans super hard on that zaniness that we <laughs> yeah. talked about. Charles it's as zany. being it right. It underlies a lot of what happens in the main installments of the trilogy, you know, when they put Yisht in a barrel or whatever and it starts to <laughs> They put Yisht like... in a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> it starts to be like, oh my god, I can't believe this is a bunch of middle-aged girls putting Yisht in a barrel. Like, <laughs> they it makes put sense Yisht with in that. a barrel. <laughs> that would be like the silly plan a bunch of, at that t- point, 12-year-olds would come up with. But it's leaning completely in on that side and pretty much doing a a way with focus on the darker, grittier sides of the trilogy. And I think it, it benefits a lot from having the space to just spend 49 pages on pure zaniness and silliness and these are fun characters to spend time with, and we appreciate even more when we get to spend time with them in a setting that's low stakes like this. Or I, even though it is still life and death, it never yeah, feels like it. <laughs> I agree totally. And as zany as it is, and it is zany, there are these moments towards the end that you read and you're like, okay, we're learning some some more cautionary tale kind of stuff here. And there is this almost very light warning that I kind of walked away with at the end of this book. And that is like, is Nona kind of overextending herself with how intense she gets about her relationships? Like you could make the case that Nona getting involved with Arya's head, Arya's, Ara's head (laughs) was kind of some interesting fan fiction (laughs) going there, Charles. (laughs) Nona and Arya, yeah. somewhat similar characters. Somewhat similar, for sure. They, yeah, they both have these, you know, violent tendencies, and these they make use of the shadows and all this other stuff. This idea of getting trained and by a bunch of intense yeah. weirdos. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, yes, uh, what was I saying? So yeah, this idea that Nona, you could make the case that maybe Nona got too involved and like she should have maybe sat this one out. Like uh, Kettle and Glass, they sought out Ara for this mission. And then once Nona gets involved, she like can't let it go. She's like, I have to keep being with Ara. I have to keep seeing what she's seeing. And then we get to the point where she kind of blows the mission and and knees Jordo in the groin at that moment, right? It's supposed to be a stealth mission. It's like mm. leak the poison and walk away. And then Ara kind of, I mean, Nona kind of panics and takes over Ara's body for a quick moment to get this jolting uh, knee to the groin. And you do kind of like buy it. But again, like you brought up, we're so close to Nona's perspective. How much of it was Nona being like oh my god he's going to attack it's happening do something and how much of it could have just been you know all going according to plan and that is you know an interesting piece to this and then of course the mission was blown and they had to like kill a bunch of people and they almost died and they did eventually escape but there is this interesting piece to Nona that she might be potentially too intense with how involved she is with her friendships and her relationships and although that's not too 
explored in this book, it does present some of the warning signs in this book. And that's one of the pieces that I walked away with here. That's all said, Charles. And I think we pretty much get to see this for the double-edged sword that it is. And Nona's investment, her relationships has always been pretty much her biggest strength and her biggest weakness in some ways. And I think we also get it as a strength when she headbutts, what was it, Jordo? Is his yeah, name? Jordo. Yeah. So she headbutts Jordo, basically takes over Ara's body and <laughs> makes her headbutt Jordo because Jordo is trying to kiss her. And that mm-hmm. might have been a little bit more jealousy or <laughs> right. coming in than anything else. I'd say but so. But that leads to the reveal that he had been trying to poison her. So he, she saves Ara's life because of her intense investment, but she also then endangers her because of her intense investment. So I think the warning is well-founded, but there's also a lot of positives that we've seen to known as... That's true. I mean, her investigative team back at the convent did a, a good job of being like, look, this is totally random, so... Perhaps they're just trying to draw out the the sisters. And then that's when Nona made the connection and she was able to transfer the message. So that was all pretty crucial to the success of this mission. I'll give you that. But, you know, there always seems to be these, like, how many times have the nuns warned Nona of her, like, wor- like doing this unreciprocated over concern for friends it's like let clara worry about herself nona she's <laughs> totally fine and now it's like she's intervening on ara's behalf in these moments where she's feeling um not necessarily like the mission's at stake but that she's kind of like um jealous or maybe um insecure about watching ara you know have relationships with other people <laughs> so i don't know it's very interesting <laughs> It is interesting, Charles, and you mentioned Clara there, and we do get a Clara cameo is probably the best way to (laughs) phrase it here, where Clara's just kind of at the party, and she sees Ara and gives a little shooing motion is all we get, and (laughs) it's so interesting this use of perspective is i think one of lawrence's greatest strengths like throughout the book of the ancestor and we hear from nona's perspective that that is perceived as oh she was warning ara and saying like get out of here ara they might be trying to kill you which actually ends up we don't know what clara's motivation was but actually if it was that then yeah, she could have, be... like, the most popular going theory right now is that she was being, like, leave, you're in danger, because she must yes. have been in on the Joro plot, right? So It makes sense, because she's got affiliations with the taxis. Yes. And <laughs> so, yeah, maybe she was doing that, or maybe she just doesn't like Ara, and she was like, get out of here. What are you even doing here? Go back to the convent. And that's, that's (laughs) yeah, that's how Nona's friends back home were interpreted. Like, Ruli thinks that it's actually, like, Clara who's the killer. And she tells Nona that 
Like you've always been blind. You're just blind where Clara is concerned. You always have been. She sold you down the river, sold all of us. So it's, it's interesting. We get another one of those warnings from someone close to Nona. Hey, you still have this thing where you see her as good as you possibly could see her, like as charitable as possible, but maybe you shouldn't be doing that. So I think it's still mixed. Like, do do we know, should we be taking a warning away or should we be feeling good about Nona's investment in her relationships? That's true, and only time will tell but it certainly seems to be her strength as well as her weakness sometimes. Um, and yeah, we see her more of committing to the path. Her, this again, this theme of like, forget what anyone has ever taught me about being delicate with the path. I'm just using my rage to get the motivation to charge into the path. And that's still working for her and it's going well. But it's still kind of troubling to see that she needs to feel this like rage in order to draw on her strength. And we, and, uh, but it, she ends up, you know, in team with Ara and Regal saving the day. Kettle was a little bit distracted somewhere, I guess. She hasn't really been able to protect these, uh, novices at any point. <laughs> like back when they went ranging and Red Sister and <laughs> <laughs> poor Kettle. Yeah, I know. They should maybe send two nuns next time. <laughs> Like instead of just Kettle. Well, Pot maybe... was in the mix. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that was funny. It's like Pot, pot meat Kettle. Yeah. I was like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But Pot doesn't have any of these abilities from what we can gather. And Pot did not call the Kettle black either. I was like, oh. I don't know how she would have. Like, there's nothing about the color black that weaves into maybe like a shadow reference or something. But no, we didn't get it. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're okay with <laughs> without that moment. But I I do want to talk about some of these moments between Regal and Ara, mm-hmm. uh, where they basically have no chemistry, <laughs> despite right. it's like Regal, we can tell, is very into Nona. That's been obvious for a while here. And Nona has trouble believing that especially <laughs> when it's couched in this idea that he's like kissing Ara, <laughs> yeah, who Nona sees as extremely beautiful, but he is more interested in Nona, who she she perceives herself as, as you mentioned, Charles, this fully black-eyed peasant girl. Like, how could you desire me, right? Instead of with Ara right in front of you, yeah, and. That was, those were interesting moments too. It also kind of um, keeps the romantic situation in check. You know, Nona can be interested in both Ara and Regal without them going off and doing their own thing. So that was interesting. And then that adds to these moments where Nona's in Ara's, like thread bound to Ara in Ara's head. Ara's kissing Regal. Ara's forcing Nona to, like, be complicit in the, in yeah. the, kissing, and um, it, it's, 
like because in the in the narrative it's written like oh ara wouldn't let her go and i was like oh he wants to kiss you anyway so you should you know stick around for this or whatever and then Nona's kind of trying to process it <laughs> and and regal is just like going along with whatever he's like okay <laughs> i'm here to serve right it's a it's a weird moment it definitely feels like the kind of early teenage shenanigans. Yeah, and, and, and Kettle's like, well, powers. now you have to practice kissing. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have some quotes I highlighted now that I actually read this on a Kindle. Nice. I can do these nice. highlighting because that's the only way it's available here. Um, it's faced with the golden Arabella Jatsis wrapped tight in flowing silks. No boy on Abbott would be wishing for the scruffy night-eyed novice back in the convent. And there's also some interesting lines here where we're hearing about like Nona not knowing who she's more jealous of here. It's like we're still caught between the two parties. She wasn't sure which side of the equation she wanted to be on. I believe that's when Regal and Ara are kissing. Yeah, and again with this math, (laughs) this theme of like math references, which also is how this book ends, by the way. True. Starts with a math reference, you're dropping a few now, and then it ends with Nona is X in the equation, (laughs) which I was was still trying to figure out what that means, but. (laughs) There's also a chemistry reference, Charles. The lack of chemistry between the pair both pleased and surprised her when Nona's speculating on (laughs) Regal and Aura just not working for whatever reason too good yeah. good looking folks but just not happening that's right and there's that interesting moment where nona kind of explains why she likes regal and it's uh, regal with his outward charm and inward ner- inward nerves his violence and his vulnerability so, and I, I think that's kind of um nona almost projecting her own balance of violence and vulnerability of like she is a very capable violent warrior but she's also very sensitive and vulnerable when it comes to um having a relationship with someone because relationships are so sacred to her that she makes herself vulnerable by jumping all in and then i guess that's why she kind of connects with with regal in a way that and they both were um of the cage, right? He regals like my sister of the cage. Yes, good old Gil John's cage. A lot of a lot of strong bonds formed there, Charles. So we have some interesting moments as we start moving toward the end here, Charles. We're following Nona kicking Jordo in the groin, and getting him to swallow the poison uh-huh. after Hara popped the poison sack in his mouth. <laughs> then pretty much the the shoot hits the fan, keeping the clean rating and saying the yeah. same thing I said in our Grey Sister episode. Yeah. And <laughs> who could forget? We end up in a situation where Ara and Regal are taking on just a bunch of Jarrets, which are the really big people i guess (laughs) yes they are big yeah they're like seven feet tall if they have jared blood at least seven feet tall and they're fighting a bunch of them and things start seeming like they're gonna go 
awry potentially, and Nona has to use her angry path walking and like sending that through the bond to help out Ara and Regal. Ara and Regal end up getting out of there. It's a interesting little fight scene in the middle of this <laughs> shenanigan filled yeah. short story. Yeah, they're fighting all these troops, but then she needs Nona to walk the path and we that's one of the things we learned about thread bonding and path walking. It's like, well, if Nona walks the path, but while she's thread bound to Ara, like what happens? And I guess it's kind of like both bodies get benefits of path energy i suppose which is an interesting development that i guess we didn't know before nona's just like shot out as light back on her end and just like oh no i need that yeah (laughs) can't be using that up here right so then i mean the fight scenes of lawrence fight scene it's well written all that kind of stuff but nothing super in need of deep covering here what i do want to discuss is the moment where ara confronts regal a little bit toward the end where she says that's right we have a bond nona and i and in the Uh prose there's there's something in the way she said it to him something nona caught in the tone of her voice a challenge a warning was ara protecting her i'm wondering how you read that one, Charles? I, I read it a couple ways. The main takeaway that I'm, the theory that I'm subscribed to, is she's like, you know, we have a bond, and if you do anything to hurt her, I'm coming for you, kind of a thing, you know, like a protective thing, you know, like, like kind of friends do. It's like if you hurt her, w- w- you know, you're gonna be, in- you have to answer to me, you know, that kind of a <laughs> thing. Like when he said protect like is she protecting her that's kind of the theory i walked away with because she seemed pretty on board with the with the nona regal matchup so i don't know why in this moment she would be like she's all mine so i think it's like don't you hurt her kind of a situation which in nona's case is a very good piece of advice (laughs) like you definitely (laughs) don't want to betray uh nona's um affections right I think you covered the two main ways, I would say, to read this. And I I won't speculate too much because I know where all this is going. But you can either read it as, like, don't you hurt her? Or you could read it as, you stay away from her because Nona and I have a bond and you're just some, like, Mm -hmm. nobody who hardly knows her. So... I think it's another great use of the medium of a, you know, text rather than a show or a movie or whatever, where you'd have to actually hear what words she emphasizes and stuff like that. Right. And the tone (laughs) of the voice and everything like that. Because there's like, we have a bond, Nona and I, or there's like, we have a bond, Nona and I. It's like, (laughs) those are two very different ways. It's all about the implication. Yeah. So it's hard to know, and and Lauren seems very aware that he wants you to know how Nona's kind of perceiving it while leaving it open for it could have been either way. And Nona doesn't tend to have the best read on other people. (laughs) No, she does not 
and we are so tightly um, wound in her perspective that we have to consider both possibilities at this point. And you know, that's how this book... tightly bound to it. That's right, tightly <laughs> bound. And Ayo. That's why you got to uh, follow us on Twitter, man. All of these kind of goodies. And <laughs> <laughs> the FTF podcast with the number one at the end on Twitter. And um, yeah, the other like ominous thing that we get is reminding us of the taxis threat. That it's like, yes, he will go this far just for the chance of drawing out someone that Nona potentially likes so that they can killer you know so it's like she's not safe by any means and no one she loves is safe and we know with Nona that her relationships are even more sacred than her own well-being in many cases so to her that's like the ultimate the ultimate threat because they go back to like oh um, Taxis threatened to cut me into pieces and at the time it was like I'm gonna literally cut you to pieces yeah go ahead he said he would cut pieces off me, and what was Ara if not a piece of her heart? Just so charming. <laughs> very charming and very sweet. And also, like, I think Nona would rather have you chop her, you know, yes. pieces of her body off than, than go at, than harm Ara. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, she went out of her way. She took the challenge of the shield to protect Abbas Glass. So imagine what she would do to protect Ara. <laughs> and, um, right. So that's just kind of the last ominous piece where Book of the Ancestor 2.5, kind of the flavor it leaves in your mouth as you go to pick up Book 3. So it's very interesting. It is interesting indeed, Charles. Well, the last line we're left with here is along those lines you were mentioning with the the math bit, right? Mm -hmm. Abbas Glass will just have to factor it into her equations. X is Nona Gray and nobody knows what that is. We get that line. And I know you had some thoughts it sounded like about that. I had to read it a couple times. I was like, X is Nona Gray and no one knows what that is. So I guess it's like no one knows the role Nona's going to play in this greater calamity or no one knows what Nona's involvement is in all this or what she's capable of or what she's going to do next or what just the general mystery um i don't know what did you take away from that line i also read it multiple times but i think i kind of start just reveling in the uncertainty of it as like that's kind of the point right? yeah it's like you named all these things and it's like which one of it do we not know it's like well, we don't know any of them. That's why it's this variable that nobody knows what it is. Right. So I think to take it as yes and when you're speculating on all of those different, what could it be? We, <laughs> right. I guess you're just like, also, I don't know what to do with, uh, with this Nona, <laughs> with this Nona girl. I really don't. <laughs> yes. And there's also the last bit, which reminds me of all of these kettle kettle's class versus known as class parallels where kettle finishes it with the last line is and it's not like i don't know how much trouble one little kiss can lead to and you know when i read this again just now while you were reading it and i'm thinking back to the beginning of this episode when you were talking about the parallels i'm like yeah cool i'm sure she's alluding to the one kiss she had with glass maybe that 
she betrayed Sida or vice versa. You mean with Apple? Oh, yeah, with uh, Apple. But more good fan fiction <laughs> ideas that you're coming up with here, Charles. You're you're the master of that. What can I um, say? My my, <laughs> it's um as the psych people say, a Freudian maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of knowing from Kettle, and it's a good use of characterization. It reminds me of like certain, you know, uh, like cool dramatic TV shows like Heroes or Lost, where you have these like ominous kind of threads that just make you more interested in the character. So Kettle says these moments of like, it's not like I don't know how much trouble one kiss can get into, and you're like, there's a story there. That sounds very interesting, Kettle. And we've, you know, Lawrence has built up this kind of love triangle backstory between, you know, um, Kettle and Seda and um, Apple. You, Kettle and Saphira. Saphira was the, yeah. <laughs> I'm the all over the place. Kid that got hanged. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oops. So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So Mark Lawrence keeps the mystery alive. He gives us just enough to know to kind of get the idea of what she's talking about, but then still keeps the mystery alive where it's like, that's kind of fun. Right, Charles. And we know from previous books here that when people get thread bound, we expect that there is some sort of like cosmic tying of their destinies in some ways. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. in those words, but that they're, paths, if you will, will tend to mirror each other. We got that with Mm. actually Hessa and Nona was where she was originally, Nona was originally told that that's a thing that happens. And Nona was like, yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) But it would make sense if Kettle and Nona, as people who have been thread-bound here, are following some similar paths we don't know to what extent that will end up happening. Right. But, uh, and there's we'll the greater arching theme of how intimacy plays a role in these greater politics, right? Like whose side is on whose stems a lot from the relationship they had as, you know, what would be seemingly these innocent teenage relationships play a huge factor in these flash forwards that we've gotten so far in Book of the Ancestor. So it's like one little kiss, right? Or like, oh, one friendship or one, what, like one act of intimacy is now snowballed into this, you know, you're on one side of the war and I'm on the other and I'm impaling you with a spear. So it's like, you know, she's kind of alluding to that of like what one kiss can do. It's like, well, here's what, you know, we also know someone else in the story that had one kiss. And it's, so it's, uh, you know, just uh, all ominous, getting you all pumped for book three. And I am pumped for book three. And Charles, I'm realizing we're probably <laughs> close to talking about this book for as long as it takes to actually read it. Yeah, so maybe that's are. a decent sign that we ought to... Uh, wind things down over here and if you get that outro music playing i can start to tell people where they can reach us as you you mentioned got it here it comes nice as you mentioned earlier you can reach us on twitter find us at the fdf podcast one over there you can also find us on facebook or instagram at the fdf podcast if you're the kind of person who likes to send emails to your podcasts of choice then you can reach us at the fdf podcast at gmail.com 
and I'll find it. I will send you a response. That's true. And, <laughs> but Twitter is probably a better place, or Insta, really, than email if you want a quick response. And then, yeah, if you're really enjoying this and you just so happen to be on Apple Podcasts, that's uh, the corporation, not Sister Apple, well, then <laughs> you can toss five stars to our podcast. Toss five uh, stars to our podcast, guys. We really appreciate it whenever anyone does that. Like, I text Charles on meeting. I'm like, dude, someone tossed five stars to our podcast. Woo-hoo. It's always nice when that, it's always nice to see that number go up. And we're at, like, what, six or something? Seven. So, seven. <laughs> so it's like, hey, one more would be a huge deal. So be part of those good vibes, man. Toss five stars if you like what you're hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And as always, go forth and conquer friends.